Welcome to Zoo Notable, everyone. Uh, I've got just a wonderful treat. It's a great way to kick off part of our New Year uh, talks, a, a special Tell Me a Story and a special interview. I'm with Ardell Holden. She is a, a, a friend and a fellow author. Uh, she's got several, several books out, and I had the absolute honor of reading an advanced copy of her latest book, Killing Imaginary Friends. So we're going to have a fun conversation with Ardell. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, Ardell, so good to see you. You look great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and it's so nice to be here. DJ. It's a great day. Yeah. So I love to talk to you to to you about how we know each other and your writing oh I definitely want to know about your writing process this is this was a really fun read little disclaimer here not my normal book that I read or review you know I being you know trying to dispel all these like great uh big ideas from books I don't get a chance to read fiction books very often and definitely I, sometimes when I read fiction books they're still animal focused but you are a friend <laughs> we, know, <laughs> we know each other uh, from the creative academy for writers and when you ask for some arc readers for those who don't know that's advanced copy uh, readers so that you can get some like blurbs and get some promotions out I definitely wanted to get a chance to read this for a couple reasons, and then we can talk about this. Um, first of all, you know, all work and no play is no fun, right? Uh, so I like reading nonfiction, but I do enjoy reading nonfiction, but have it being this podcast and then also reading memoirs for my, again, to help propel me with my my stories, It's it becomes work. And so it is nice to just kick back and not, think about like, oh, how is this, how is a, how does this apply to what I'm going to be discussing? How can I make this relevant? So it was just fun to just read a book for enjoyment's sake. And um and that's what they're for. That is exactly what <laughs> they're strictly for. Entertainment. And I and I will say I I do have like this special little place in my heart. I, I don't I don't even know where I started reading these, but I do have a little special place in my heart for like what I call cozy mysteries and yours definitely fit that bill. I really, I really loved, I you, maybe you, this you, is, maybe this you is what you, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a cozy. Well, I did. I, it's it, not a cozy. It felt, it felt clean to me. It didn't feel like, it didn't feel like horror driven. It wasn't, uh, again, it was, I'm not going to spoil anything. I hope not. But it's a it it starts with a little boy. It starts with a little boy, and there's nothing like horrific that ha happens to him. He does see someone die, but it's not traumatic for him, as he even explains later on in the book. It wasn't traumatic. So I think that part, and then the conversations that they that the characters have. It's not gory. It's not. So I don't know. This is new territory for me, but I did find it to be a little bit cozier than some of the other books. And I really appreciate it. Again, it made it fun to read. It was just like a, just sitting by an afternoon. I flew through this book too. It was uh, really fun, really fun to read. I'm glad you enjoyed it. 
this is not your what would how would you just explain your book i mean again what kind of genre are did that, that's, that's my problem. That's my okay. problem. I, I have I have a, a hard time pegging myself or my my books. It's ministry, but it's also about uh, coming of age, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's about misconceptions and misunderstandings. And I mean, he does have a troubled youth with bullying and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So uh, it has a lot of different elements in it until he reaches adulthood and then he has to he's at at 20 he finds out what happened when he was eight and now he has to solve this mystery yes Uh, at the at the age of 20 he's a a journalism student by that time and and doing research for criminology assignment and this is when he discovers what happened when he was eight so uh, the first half of the book is him going from the age of eight to the age of 20. And then the last half of the book is just a few months has to figure out or try at least to solve uh, the mystery. Yeah. And what a, what an interesting, you had such a really interesting take though. And the book's called Killing Imaginary Friends. So Ollie or Oliver, what does he prefer? He prefers Oliver at this point. <laughs> he has as, as an adult. He as he an adult, he prefers Oliver. Uh, so we'll call him Oliver. He has he has a special way of 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 attracting imaginary friends. His imaginary friends are kind of real and kind of not. Only he can see them, and they only know what he knows. So that's the Keith. That's why again they're. They're imaginary, but they're not. They are totally these people that were re- that were or are real people in his life. So his first imaginary friend is a is a five year old. Is that right? Four four year old. Four year old that I loved. He named him PJ. I was like, oh, did Ardell do that for me? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. I was like, PJ, wow, Ardell, you named a character after me. No, I'm just kidding. It was because the kid was wearing PJ pajamas. <laughs> I had a moment there. <laughs> um, but he's he passes, he's eight years old. He passes by a a car accident and he sees this little boy. And um, and then suddenly that little boy's next to him, and that's his first imaginary friend. But it's it is, but it isn't imaginary. That's why, again, I really like this premise. Um, they're not necessarily figments of his imagination. They are, but they're manifestations. And yeah, going through life. Yeah, yeah. Where, where are some of his other? Who is who is his other imaginary friend? Well, he's he's going into grade three in in the mm-hmm. nine, and he's he's bullied because he he verbally connects with this imaginary friend who he only visualizes when he's stressed. And that first day of school, he was very stressed. Je- does gestures with his hands and he speaks out loud <laughs> to his imaginary friend. And uh, this causes him to be bullied. Mm-hmm. And it, it's quite intense and even happens on his way home. A high school girl comes across him. He's fallen off his bike because he's been crying. And she helps him. She lives on the same block as him. So they frequently walk back and forth to school together. 
when she moves away at the end of that term. See, he's eight, she's 15. Mm -hmm. So he has a, a little crush on her. And uh, when she moves away on the last day of school, uh, he, he's devastated. His little heart is broken. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she become he takes her in as his secondary imaginary friend. Yeah. She goes with him to the psychologist because his, his mother and his aunt, because uh, uh, they're living with the aunt in Nanaimo, uh, they, they think that he, he needs some help to, uh, to deal with, uh, with the bullying. And mm -hmm. so the mother takes uh, Ollie to, to a psychologist. As a matter of fact, I, I did have Ollie interviewed by a real psychologist. In the original version of the book, I had the full transcription of the entire interview in there. But it was it was really slowing the the novel down, so I did take it out and put it in with my little dar you know my little darlings. The, the, they moved, that might show up in a blog someday. Okay. But, uh, but uh, I just have the summary of the interview in 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 the book. Oh, that's really that's really cool. And this is one of the themes from the book. Using wow, using imagination to get through challenges or some tough situations. If you don't know, if you're not a psychologist and you don't know what a psychologist would tell an eight-year-old boy, how do you write about a psychologist talking to an eight-year-old boy? That's mm -hmm. brilliant. And so again, I, I really liked that theme and you just used it. They had a, you had a, the psychologist interview, you know, uh, the, your main character that's, genius and uh <laughs> and it this goes along with one of the themes or at least one of the things that i found um in the book that like how imagination can really help us through tough challenges um these were imaginary friends and they they got ollie through uh through some really tough times throughout school throughout um you know grade school but then even later on and he's a an aspiring journalist and those imaginary friends still like he thought he they were thought they were kind of tucked away in the back of his mind, but they actually helped him become his own, you know, a really great journalist, somebody who thinks outside the box, who looks at everything to find the answers to to these daunting questions. So uh, I really thought that was a clever, clever way to share how imagination is really important for us if we're faced with like some of the challenges kind of thinking outside the box there's a really nice storyline there too where Sydney is a really good friend of Oliver they kind of grow up together and and love blossoms she knows about Oliver's uh unique connection to to his friend his imaginary friends and she doesn't judge him for it I think that's again really special Sydney's a really, really special person, and uh, and I appreciate I appreciate that about her. Um, she knows about you know she's not truly jealous, but she'll give Oliver a hard time. But she she's very understanding. She's very open about that, and that was she's a, I I would say she's one of my favorite characters in the book. <laughs> Do you want to read a passage here? I could read uh, 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 the very first page and sure. uh, just just to get him uh, on on his way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Chapter One. What a crappy birthday. Ollie's eyes burned with tears. He stumbled up the stairs back to bed, his pajama sleeve wet and cold against his nose. Even with the storm outside and his door closed, their angry voices pierced his ears. His Iron Man pillow wrapped tight around his ears wasn't much help either, but it smothered his sobs. Deep under the covers, he hunched his shoulders as high and hard as they would go. His breath struggled past the lump in his throat. A door slammed. Mom's really mad at him now. He'd woken up Ollie out of a sound sleep with his bellowing. Ollie, hey, Ollie, wake up. Come on down and blow out the candles again. Groggy, Ollie had rubbed his eyes and shuffled downstairs, the floor cold on his bare feet. He pretended not to notice the beer on his dad's breath when he hugged him, but he couldn't help pulling away. The stubby candles looked stupid in the lopsided leftover cake. When Ollie blew, a little spit came out. Even though his mother shook her head and mouth, it's okay. His cheeks felt hot. His dad hadn't even noticed, but then he never noticed, even when Ollie did things right. Sorry I'm late, Ollie. Eight years old, eh? Wow, you're getting to be a big boy. He slapped Ollie's shoulder awkwardly and flopped onto the sofa. What did you get for your birthday? Ollie looked at his mother. She had said the Lego was from her and him. She mouthed, I'm sorry, but it didn't matter. His dad didn't even look, he didn't even say goodnight when she sent him back to bed. He squeezed the pillow tighter around his ears. It's okay, mama, just stop fighting. But she couldn't hear his thoughts. The sound of his own breathing muffled their voices a little. How could you do this to Ollie? You knew it was his birthday. This is the last straw, Curtis. For Christ's sake, Lauren, it's Friday night. We just went out for a few drinks after work and I lost track of time. Couldn't you have made an exception tonight? And who is we? His father's boozy voice thundered through the pillow. Just someone from work. Get a grip, Lauren, he'll get over it. But why tonight of all nights? And since when does happy hour last four hours? If I didn't know better, I'd think it was a woman. Dead silence. Ollie uncovered his head, sat up, and leaned towards the door. His father mumbled something. I knew it. How long has this been going on? Don't tell me. Since June, when you went to Vancouver alone, right? More mumbling. Ollie could tell his mother was crying. He didn't want to hear more. But when her voice grew quiet, he crept out of bed and listened at the crack in the door. You can't hurt me any more than you already have, Curtis, but this is the last time you'll disappoint Ollie. We're out of here. What? Ollie jumped back into bed and pulled the covers over his head. The sound of stomping on the stairs competed with his halting breath, his heartbeat, and the rain against the window. It was hard not to snuffle. He peeked out and saw his mother's thin frame silhouetted in the doorway. Mom? Yes, Ollie, get dressed. And there starts the uh, killing imaginary friends. And I'll give you I'll give you this much of a little bit of spoiler that that launches his first imaginary friend. If that scene hadn't happened, I don't know if we if Ollie would have met PJ. Not me. P <laughs> <laughs> uh, mentioning Ollie's father in that first this first chapter. And I actually hearing you read it, I was like, wow. You know what? 
you actually did a fabulous job also of giving closure um, to every single character. And when I say closure, I don't mean like shut the book on them, but like there's, I don't feel like you left me hanging with his father. You didn't leave me hanging with his mom or definitely with, with his, his imaginary friends. There is there is a purpose to having those friends, and uh, I'm not gonna give, I'm not gonna give everything away here. But there is some business that only Ollie can give to these imaginary friends to help them move on, so to speak. He doesn't learn this till he's older. He doesn't know what Alex's is because he doesn't. He just thinks Alex shows up because she moved away, and that was, you know, she was a huge, huge part of of um, Ollie's life, he thinks if Sydney had moved away, she would have become an uh, imaginary friend as well, I think. So he doesn't know why, what if, if Alex has any unfinished business, but he does know that PJ or who he later finds out is named Teddy does, did have some business that uh, Ollie ended up helping him, finding his mom and, um, and it was a four-year-old boy who was in a car accident and and then passed away. And when he shows up to Ollie, he wants Ollie to help him find his mom. Of course, eight years old, he can't do that. But um, at but, twenty, he could. Yeah, but at twenty, he could. And so, again, you were able to give Teddy some closure. You gave I I really like the kind of full circle, all the little interconnections of. Of characters here, but you even get. I really appreciate the the closure that you give for um, Ollie's father. That was that was a, a nice touching moment for me, at least. Mm -hmm. That's a, another theme I felt. How getting closure for painful situations can help you move on, and maybe not you, but you know, you, we can grow. We can we become strong. We become better people once we're able to face that challenge and do what we mm -hmm. need to do to you know for that growth so yeah um i think it was important for me to help ollie deal with the reasons why he acquired mm -hmm. um, imaginary friends and, and, and so that we he was he was able to move on but uh, of course uh, he doesn't in the end. He he gets it. He get he he learns his purpose. I find like I found this like he learned his purpose <laughs> at the yes. at the end. He's like, okay, that's my purpose. I <laughs> that's right. That's right. I am. I am. I have a my purpose is yeah. I want to be a journalist. I want you know to write people's stories. I have another purpose too. <laughs> um, but. Spoiler, we're not going to, I will, I will not give that ending away. That was a really great ending. So oh, great. <laughs> read the book, folks, read the book. <laughs> if you want to know, speaking of reading your book, uh, so your book comes out. It's up on Amazon for pre-order now. Okay. And on the 30th, I'm, I'm having a zoom launch. And so I will be sending out the, the link to the, the zoom uh, meeting to uh, all of my my followers on my newsletter and I'm, I'm having two guests and they're going to read a, a short excerpt from their books oh, nice. and 
One of them is Joanna Vanderblurt. Of course, she's in several other groups that I'm in, Crime Writers of Canada and Sisters in Crime. And uh, she's going to be reading an excerpt from Spy Girls. Uh, Hyacinth Miller is going to be reading an excerpt from uh, her book, Kenora uh, Reinvented. Your book is really, really well written. I'm imagining that this, in my imagination, this is, you know, a, you got a really popular following, but are you uh, independently published or is yes. this, this is, wow, you did a great job with this. So if you're not in the know, independent publishers are, are a little bit different from what we call traditional publishing and that we have to pay for the editors ourselves. We have to, you know, do the formatting. Sometimes it's a lot of extra work. You can, you can definitely shop it out, uh, like pay someone to do all this, the, the cover design. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to do all, well, you still have to do all your own promotion if you're traditionally published, but um, traditionally published books, you know, they get them into those big bookstores. If self-published or independently published books, yes, it's going to be um, the reputation of that author that's going to get them into the, into the bookstore. So local bookstores are really big. This is one of the reasons why I really, really, really advocate local shopping locally especially for your books because you can find these really beautiful hidden gems of locally independently published authors so Ardell your book looks amazing nice Thank job you. yes uh, the the cover is a, a collaboration and my designer is uh, Michelle Fairbanks of Fresh Design uh, she's she's designed the covers for all of my books I, I tell her what I want <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she gives me options. And I, I, I eventually, after many, many versions, I eventually chose the image for the front of the cover. Somebody um, said, well, imaginary, you can't really see it, but the, the title has a double meaning. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's written that way. And, and once you've read the book, then you'll say, oh, of course. Right. Right. I don't have anybody doing my marketing yet. Do you... And that is my Achilles, <laughs> my Achilles heel because you have to you have to market to make money, but you have to make money before you can pay for somebody to do your marketing for you. So it's a it's a vicious circle. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> so uh, you know, when I get a little bit ahead, then I'll probably try and get somebody to do my uh, my marketing as well. But nice. At the yeah. present time, I I I make up my ads in Bookbrush and then I put them on social media. Uh, you got you did a lot of work here, and I'm I'm going to be talking to all the folks that are writers publishing a book or writing just just writing the book. Is this you know, is this something you just have to? be good at or when I wrote my first book um I was in this very room sick in bed and I was counting the bricks in the ceiling and uh I thought up this idea for a person of interest and when I could sit up I wrote a small outline and and it, it was my first book I, I wrote a, a small outline it was about 78 pages gave it to a friend and rewrote it and then gave it to three more friends and it kept growing and growing and growing each time I I think 13 people read it in various stages and I, I had, I didn't belong to any groups. I didn't know any other authors. I hadn't taken any, uh, you know, masters in, in English or anything like that. 
And so uh, my first effort, I just stuck it out there. Yay! <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's done. <laughs> and uh, then Jennifer, uh, a reviewer, said, I can hardly wait for a sequel. And I thought, yes, sequel, what? What? I have to write another book? <laughs> yes. So anyway, that's when I wrote A Murder by Bits and Bites. <laughs> and that's, you know, corporate espionage and and uh, computer hacking, of course, with the bites. And then after that uh, came Murder by Pins and Needles, where all of the clues to the murder are quilted in the quilts. That's awesome. But Samantha, it, those are the Samantha Bowers mysteries. Mm -hmm. Samantha has to figure out who made this quilt. Is she dead or alive? And just steeped in paranoia. Anyway. That's that's a finite uh, trilogy, and so uh, this is the first in this in the Oliver Frampton series. Last, oh, good! Thank I, goodness. I wrote, there is going to be a second one. Okay. Yes, I wrote <laughs> them all in uh, in NaNoWriMo, the first draft in NaNoWriMo. Excellent. And, so, for those of you who don't know, can you tell us a little bit what about NaNoWriMo? NaNoWriMo stands for National Novel Writing Month. It's out of Berkeley, California. It has a challenge every November to uh, write the first draft of a novel, uh, 50,000 words in 30 days. No going back, no editing. Uh, you can jump around. Uh, you can write the last chapter first. Just just keep writing. Just keep writing. Just keep writing. And 50 words, uh, 50,000 words. So I, I did all three books. Well, actually all four books that way. It'll be next November before I start drafting. I mean, I'll be doing research all year. I'll be drafting uh, the next uh, in uh, book two in in this series. Great. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so I really wanted to ask about, you know, your background in writing because it's just a really well-written book. Um, again, I love the story. I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I read, I think I read it in three days. I'm pretty sure I read it in three days flat and I had really struggled to put it down, which was um, a problem because I have a full-time job. <laughs> yes. How are your elephants? By the and they're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> and um, people who, you know, who are looking or may have never written a book, they're probably, I mean, I could easily see them reading your book and going, well, she's studied writing. She's been writing for years and I can, you know, I can imagine someone saying that, but it just, you got, you, you're, I feel like one of the things that helped you become a better writer is something I tell people all the time is by writing. That's how you get better at writing, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I, I feel that with each book that I've written, I have improved uh, and learned, I learned a lot. You know, when I learn, look back at the first book, Person of Interest, I'm thinking, oh, I was so naive. <laughs> but I still I still love the story in it. So I'll keep promoting it because I still love the story, even if it is a little naive yeah. on my part as far as being a you know a great a great writer. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't sell yourself short. You are you're a great writer. <laughs> oh, thank you. And thank you. um so we've mentioned this and I don't think that we actually discussed it and um but we know each other from it's called Creative Academy for Writers. And I've been there, I don't know, for a couple of years. I don't 
I don't even know how I got started with it. I heard somebody talking about it. I believe this was during COVID, I think. When I was like, community of writers online, yay. I think it's more for me as a community. So we have yeah. Zoom meetings every week where I, um, I call it group therapy for writers. There's critique groups. And, and when I say those of you who are not writing or who are scared of critiques, because that's what's holding you back from, from telling your stories, critiques are so, so helpful. Um, they're not especially this group, they are not, they're not bashing you. They, they are very, it's very constructive and it's very uh, uplifting. It's very encouraging, but you can get some uh, works critique. You can get chapters. Um, if you're further along, you can even get a query letter. Like, so if you finish your book and you do want it to be traditionally published, you can get your query letters critiqued. Yeah. There's just so, oh, they have classes all the time. I've given a few classes there, you know, about the writing craft, so like how to give voice to, you know, an eight-year-old boy when you, are, <laughs> Ardell can give you this class, how to write an eight-year-old boy when you are a, you know, <laughs> an older woman. 76. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be 76 in June. <laughs> okay. That's why I'm not traditionally published because I haven't got time. <laughs> <laughs> to send out a thousand query letters. That's true. There's, paid, there's that too. Paper yeah. my walls with rejection <laughs> letters. <laughs> yeah. The, the Creative Academy has got several communities. They've got they've got memoir and fantasy mm -hmm. and mystery and what else? Historical fiction. They definitely have romance. I know some. And, oh, are... romance. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. So they've got they've got about sixteen different communities mm -hmm. that can. I get together on their site at any time they want to. Yep. And and they have regularly scheduled sprints every single day. And I mean, if I'm up in the middle of the night at three o'clock, I'm sprinting with somebody in Switzerland mm -hmm. and Germany, or I might be at the other end in Australia, you know, sprinting with somebody there. And during COVID, I think I was on that site uh, probably 10 hours a day. Wow. Easily, yeah. easily. I just stayed on and I took part in everything. Got, got was, a lot of work done. Yes, I did get a lot of work done. Yes, that's yeah, for the, sure. the right, I forgot about the writing sprints too. So writing sprints, again, it feels a little different online, but it works for me now. Uh, again, after COVID, it's, it really works for me. So it's just going into this Zoom room, a Zoom meeting. It's an open meeting. Every, anybody can join in. And if there's somebody else there, you know, you can maybe have a quick little discussion. I'm going to be writing this or, hey, how's it going? And uh, and then the, they call them sprints so that you can just get like work done. I'm going to, I'm going to write for 20 minutes and, you know, you just go, go to town and get, get your work done or, you know, get your how many words or maybe you're like, I'm going to stay here until I write 500 words. And, you know, it can be whatever, whatever is your goal. I'm going to write for 20 minutes. I'm going to write for 500 words. Yeah. And then if you're done, you can be like, all right, thanks everybody. And head on out. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. It Sometimes sounds... I go on, on the sprint and uh, there's nobody there. So mm -hmm. I go into the chat and I say, I'm here. If anybody wants to join me to sprint. And... Yeah. And again, it sounds like, well, how, what do, how does that, 
How does that help? Well, I mean, it's it's an accountability thing for me. Is you know, I, I am going to show up. This is how I have written my book. This is literally how I wrote my book was not through sprints per se, but by literally scheduling my time and saying, this is a time from 5 p.m. until 5.30 p.m. I am 100% focused on the book. I don't do anything. I'm not going to take a shower. I'm not going to be snacking. I'm working on the book. And the sprints have helped me like really, be, oh, someone might be waiting for me. And that's really helpful. Or uh, I might be, I might help someone else show up if I'm here at the sprint. So, and if I'm waiting for someone or if someone's waiting for me, I'm more likely to show up. So sprints can be really, really helpful in motivating you to do the work that you want to do or that you need to do. And and the founders of, of uh, the Creative Academy for Writers have um, written several uh, craft books. Yes, they have. <laughs> have several books on, on their site uh, that are extreme. I've got them all. I love really good quality reference books. Yes. And there is something to be said that you write what you know. I like how you go to Tim Hort uh, Tim Hortons all the time. It's <laughs> like, that's a Canadian thing, folks. If you're in Canada, you have to visit a Tim Hortons. They're everywhere. So don't worry about it. It's like Starbucks. It is. It is. <laughs> I don't wonder. I wonder if they get like uh, royalties from all the Canadian writers that mention Tim Hortons. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> <laughs> well, Ardell, uh, thank you so much for, for joining me. This is so much fun. Again, I spend a lot of time with nonfiction. It was such a pleasant break. And then also just, again, fun to to read a friend's book, but also to um, to just kind of take a, a a brain break and just have fun with my reading. So it's, it's a fun book, folks. It really, really is well-written. Um, but Ardell, how can we get in, how can we get in contact with you and how can we grab a copy of this book? Uh, Amazon. Great. It's on Amazon for pre-order until the 30th when it will go live. Um, and ardellholden.com. There's links on all of my book pages uh, to each of the books individually. And the first three books are in all four formats, uh, digital, paperback, hardcover, and audio. Uh, and I'm at, at the moment, I've just got uh, Killing Imaginary Friends. In uh, it's up on in digital, mm -hmm. but it'll soon be up in paperback as Great. well, and uh, and and hardcover because they're all prepared. Nice. I just I just have to upload it, and and, and this summer I want to uh, recruit a narrator, and then maybe by the fall I'll have it in audiobook too. So that'll oh, be all amazing. the formats yes. in this one. Just about the time that I start writing the the sequel. Just like uh, Gretzky says, 100% of the shots you don't take don't go in the net. Yep, you, yep. That's 100% of the shots we don't take. So, again, that's my, that's a life lesson right there, <laughs> all in one, one little quote. You had this idea, you shared it, and it, it grew, and you, you've got a, you've now four books, um, going to be going on fifth book later this year. So, Great things, Ardell. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, PJ. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. All right.
again, so thanks so much for joining us, everyone. And I grab that copy coming out January 30th on Amazon, Killing Imaginary Friends. Thank you once again, Ardell. Thank you.